In this part of the world, there is a growing detachment of public interest with scientific research of the esoteric kind. Too often, the layperson accuses it of being inaccessible or even impractical. In a different time, I would have defended fiercely against such hasty notions. A budding academic myself, I concede to having biases on this subject matter. I will, however, make an exceptional case here. For once, perhaps, the ivory tower of academia is merciful in protecting the general populace from certain dreadful revelations. On the 27th of November 2020, Director General Gabriele Di Felice submitted a report on behalf of the Centre of Nuclear Research to a Disaster Management Committee, detailing the events leading up to the swift termination of CNRP-008 neutrino detection programme. The report attributed poor weather, equipment failure, and mismanagement of supplies to the deterioration in research quality and researcher well-being. This report has since been made available to a wider, though still exclusive, committee for further scrutiny. While human error bears a third of the burden in capsizing this billion-dollar program, the report contains disproportionately scarce detail regarding its role. To both the authors and the appointed committee, it's no secret that the accounts of those present on site have all been well archived. Their refusal to address this issue in the hearings that followed has piqued a certain morbid curiosity in me. It has been a week since I obtained a digital copy of all the documents and media found on site. I have compiled a thorough timeline of the event, and this is me trying to organize my thoughts. This isn't my story. <laughs> this isn't even my job, but I need to see this through. This is the only opportunity to hear firsthand from those who lived through it. This is Terminus. For completeness, I will paraphrase the preamble of the official report. CNRP-008 is an underground-based neutrino detection project. It's located on an unnamed islet in the midst of the Orkney Islands, just north of Oskari. Like most underground detection experiments, CNRP-008 is an interdisciplinary enterprise, including archaeological and geological faculties, to study its unexpectedly rich subterranean system. The particle physics facility was completed and operational in June 2020. Due to the remote location, the program was structured to have a team on site for an extensive four-month shift. Members of all faculties would lodge in the facility accommodation to foster a sense of community away from home. Then, a succeeding team would arrive at the end of the period to take over, and the cycle repeats. On October 8th, Team B arrives on site, following the departure of their predecessors. We start with this entry from Dr. Elias Tivolouris's log, found on his personal laptop. It reads as follows. Today, we have what the English call a change of guard. Team A's four-month expedition has officially come to an end yesterday. As I type, they should be taking off from RNAS Hudson. Looking out my window, the flight home promises to be a turbulent one. I only hope the hangover from last night's debauchery will not deter them from coming back in the next cycle. I had my initial reservations about working amongst these remote archipelagos. However, these last four months have been unexpectedly pleasant. I have enjoyed the company of my colleagues in the HEP group and that of the Earth Science Division. Much to my surprise, 
My heart goes out to poor Miss Moffat, who suffered a great ordeal from a fever she contracted near the end of the cycle. I will maintain as overseer of CNRP008 Energy Physics Division for another work cycle. There are lots more to do, but things are up and around. With FinB's arrival, we should be able to process the first batch of data. According to today's schedule, I should be expecting the arrival of Dr. Kang and Ms. Rickby from this evening's ferry. As for now, I will accompany Mr. Drummond down to the lighthouse to receive the new doctor. I think the fresh air will help with this migraine. Here we will meet Dr. Eva Connolly. She has kept two journals on site, a physical dossier containing confidential medical records of those charged under her care, and the other is semi-personal and kept digitally, apparently required by her employers. The context is given in this audio recording. Hello? Is this on? Okay. Good. At least, I hope this is recording. My name is Aoife Conley. I'm the medical aide assigned to Team B here at... What's this place called again? Anyway, let it be known. I am recording this voice memo, as per our agreement on the contract, to provide data for the study of employee well-being under long-term isolated conditions. My principal role here is to provide medical care for fellow researchers, if needed, and to advise on matters pertaining to health, physical and mental within the senior committee, consisting of Mr. Hamish Drummond, Dr. Elias Tabularis and myself. Prior to taking the ferry over, I met my predecessor, Dr. Uller, at Kirkwall. While waiting for the plane to refuel, he briefed me on his work for the last four months. Aside from a case of fever, the team was in good health and morale was, on the whole, pretty high. He looked a little worse for wear, though. Maybe that's to be expected from four months of pastoral care at close proximity. Maybe that's why you want this on record. I arrive on the island at around half past two, and my goodness, the wind! I got a sense of it from the turbulence mid-flight and on the ferry, but standing on those grey pebble shores totally unprotected from the elements. <sighs> Mr. Drummond and Dr. Tavulurus waited for me by the lighthouse. At first, they looked a little amusing in their bloated windbreakers, but I wasn't laughing when I could barely find my balance. We had our polite, albeit quick exchanges, a couple of handshakes before I was ushered into the four-wheel drive. Thankfully, the final leg of the journey was shielded from the cold October tempest. Now, I am unpacking my belongings as I record this memo. My first duty is to compile a medical record for the new researchers when they arrive. Dr. Ulrich has left me the records of Mr. Drummond and Dr. Tavuler. I will run through them tonight to make sure things are in order. To do. Once I am done unpacking, I will install the microphones and camera in the kitchen and common room. For now, I'm going to have to find the thickest coat I've packed. End memo. That evening, the team is completed with the arrival of Miss Charlotte Rigby and Dr. Simon Kang. What I'm about to play is the audio from a video recording. In this segment, the five gathered for dinner in the kitchen. Dr. Connolly is in view of the camera, and she appears to be adjusting it, occasionally glancing back at the table where the other four are congregated. Once satisfied, she fidgeted with something and the audio becomes available. 
Okay. For the record, do I have everyone's consent for having the kitchen and the common room monitored? Yes, yeah? yes. Mm-hmm. Super. All right, then. Let's eat. While we're at it, let me just say how pleased I am to welcome all these new faces into our humble abode. I suppose now is as good as time to do the proper introductions as any other. Okay, I'll start first. My name is Elias Tavularis. Strictly speaking, I am your line manager. But we keep things pretty informal around here. I'll be assisting you with your data analysis, but in general, it is also my job to keep the whole show running. Along with these two here. Over to you. Mm, sorry, bad timing there. Hi everyone, my name is Charlotte. I'm a third year grad student from Fermilab. I'm co-supervised by Professor Bates, you know him from our collaboration, and Dr. Sloan, who works on scattering matrix elements. You know, the non-perturbative stuff. This is Sloan as in Philomena Sloan. I read the news about her Ken Wilson Award two days ago. Yeah! Ah, please send her my congratulations when you next speak to her. I will. I think her inauguration speech is happening on Monday. It's a shame I won't be there, but I'll stream it here, I suppose. Anyway, yeah, it's lovely to meet you all. Ah, yes. Hello. My name is Simon, and I'm a postdoc researcher from Imperial College. Since completing my PhD, I've been living in London with my wife and daughter. <laughs> nice to meet you all. Right. Hello. My name is Aoife Conley. I trained as a surgeon at Trinity, but right now the hospitals are way overstaffed with doctors. I applied for this job as a temporary thing, you know, a change of scenery and all. And so you chose the middle of nowhere out in the Orkney Islands? <laughs> yeah, it pays well. But this also means I don't have to pay rent in Dublin. Anyway, you can think of me as an overqualified first aid medic. My name is Amos Drummond. My official role on the contract is Head of Logistics. Head of who? I'm not sure, because I'm the only one dealing with the logistics. I am here to make sure there's enough food in the fridge, water to drink, hot water to shower, power for work, you name it, I troubleshoot it. Like Dr. Connolly here, you can think of me as an overqualified nanny. Mr. Drummond here is an invaluable member of our team. He puts our collaboration engineers to shame with the things he can fix. Not only that, he cooks one fantastic meal. Where are you from, Mr. Drummond? Originally from Burnham, but I've traveled a fair bit since leaving university. Oh, hello there! What's your name? His name is Pluto. Pluto? Like Pluto the Disney? Planet, yes. Wait, I'm sure Pluto's no planet. That is a debate for another evening. <laughs> well, aren't you just the cutest Pluto? Ah, uh, no fish for you. Pluto, get Will there be more people? Yes, yes, I should hope so. We should be expecting the researchers from the Earth Sciences to arrive tomorrow. Hopefully then this building will feel less empty. I think you guys will enjoy it. I was skeptical at first, but you see... The following is an email sent from Dr. Kang's laptop that evening after the recording I've just played. The recipient is identified as Dr. Kang's wife, Felicity Kang. Let it be known that this is a difficult decision to make. I wrestled with this, with the use of confidential exchanges for weaving the narrative. 
CNR has left this out of their report for the obvious reason of respect in the Kang family. I will include them here, for they provide context that is key to understanding later developments. I have a translated copy here, and it reads as follows. Hi, Feli. The signal here seems a little weak, so I'm writing this to let you know that I've arrived safely. The company here seems nice, though we are small in number. They say more people will arrive tomorrow. We have just finished dinner and coffee, so the newcomers among us have gone back to unpack. The medical doctor on duty, uh, Dr. Connolly, has planned a general checkup for me tomorrow. She said it was for monitoring my health in the coming months. It made me think of you. I am still uncertain if this was the right decision, not after what we found out about your diagnosis last week. I should be home with you and with our little Hannah. I know you are looking out for my career, but now I doubt if going away on this work trip is a wise choice. Anyway, I will try to ring you tomorrow evening. Hopefully the connection will improve. That email was the last entry from the day Team B arrived. In this next recording, I will play the audio from a video compilation made by Miss Charlotte Rigby. It appears she was an avid vlogger before this work cycle, and that she intended to document her time with Team B. This video compilation was edited on the day it was recorded, the 9th of October. Miss Rigby appears upbeat for the most part. Oh, it's now nine in the morning here in Scotland, so that makes it. Oh. Okay, let me try that again. Good morning, campers, and welcome to another day in the life of Lottie. As you can probably tell, I am super jet-lagged, but I've got my coffee now. I mean, it's not like the best, but I ain't complaining. Anyway, we are finally here, guys. After months of planning for this trip, your gal has finally crossed the Atlantic and is now working in Scotland. What up? Honestly, this experiment is like my baby. You'll remember from previous episodes how much time was spent planning and simulating the results of this experiment? Now, finally, we get to collect some actual data. I can't wait to show you the facility. I haven't seen it yet, but our manager Elias will take us down today. He seems like a cool dude. I'm sure he won't mind me filming. Anyway, let me show you guys where I live. Miss Rigby proceeds on a tour around the accommodation. Her descriptions match that of the building's official blueprint. I will now skip ahead to the relevant section. Miss Rigby's camera points ahead as she walks out of the accommodation. The wind interferes with her narration, but the audio is just about salvageable. And and that's what we dumped yesterday. Fuck, it's so cold. We drove a pair of pastel solar suburbs. It's incredible there are you just despite a short amount of sun. Right then, Miss Rigby was referring to a stone structure, roughly cylindrical, with a diameter of about a metre and a half, tapering quickly into a blunt point near the tip, and standing approximately 10 metres tall. It appears natural in origin, and is lodged into the damp soil at the bottom of a rolling hill, where the accommodation and the aforementioned solar cell farms are situated. Note, 
This entry in Ms. Rigby's vlog is the only video footage that captured the stone structure. It is a useful reference point when the object is addressed again later. Like I said, this isn't my story. These documents contain the truth of what really happened to those involved in the CNRP-008 program, and I'm going to uncover it. This is the only opportunity to hear firsthand from those who lived through it. This is Terminus.